God is great. All the time. He is great. All the time. You all believe that? Amen. Did you know that, uh, that the greatness of God is expressed through the coming together of God's body? Right here. You don't have to wait till the greatness of God yonder. The greatness of God is expressed through His body. And that is why this house, God is in. And so He's great. And we thank the Lord for that. Let me just pray and then we go on. Father, what a privilege to open your word. And to realize and to know that when you created us, things didn't go that well, especially from a human perspective, because we stray away from your plan. And through the work and the death and the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be able to say with Martin Luther, here we stand. Because of what you did. I pray for your people here today. I pray, oh God, that the Holy Spirit will help us bring us to the place of surrender, will bring us to the place of commitment, will bring us to the place of praise, knowing that you have saved us for a purpose. We thank you that this is your house. It is not anything that we have done that is worthy of us being a member of this house. It is because of what you did for us. Because God who is great in his love and in his mercy, he brought us to this place. So we thank you. Thank you for the moms and dads in this house. Thank you for the families. Thank you for our children and for our young people. And I pray, oh God, today as we look in your word, that there will be something that would uh, add value to our journey of faith as we move on with you. And so, Father, help us as we honor, as we glorify your name, as we continue in our time of praise and worship through opening your word and listening to what you have to say to us in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Hey, uh, happy Valentine's Day. And uh, how many of you guys, how many of you bought roses? Well, maybe, uh, should I not embarrass any of you guys? <laughs> uh, those that JP was mentioning about, those who, who have a girlfriend. But you too, you know, at one time I thought I'd buy a bouquet. That was before I was married. Uh, that I will buy a bouquet of, of roses and just leave it there, just in case something happens. <coughs> and I was at Bible school because I didn't have no Valentine, okay? So I just left it there, so it, it stayed in my room. And uh, for those of you who were married and, uh, and you bought a bouquet of roses, those of you who have girlfriend and those of you who wish you have a girlfriend, and uh, you bought some roses, you know, I often wonder, <coughs> What's, what's so strategic about a bouquet of roses? Like, like, what's so special about it? What do you think, like, as far as I'm concerned, would it be more practical if, 
if you just buy some kind of a minor appliances or something like that? I'll be, I'll be a little bit more practical. Okay, don't you throw stuff at me right now, ladies. But, do you know, but the reason, before I say this last one, I want to tell you that I did not buy roses for my wife at this Valentine's Day, okay? I, I did, really. <laughs> Actually, I did ask it. She didn't want it. You know, after 34 Valentines, you know, uh, that we have celebrated, and she said, well, you know, and so, now, so I have made that qualification, so let me say this. You, you, you give bouquet of roses to the one you love because it's an expression of of love, an expression of respect, and it adds value to the person that you love. That, that's why you do that. In fact, I don't know if it's on the, it's gonna come on the screen here, but a person whose heart is full of love will express it through valuing, respecting, and honoring the person that you love. And uh, you know, that is not from Dr. Phil, that is from Dr. Tal Valentino. <laughs> because when you look at it, because that is basically what we've been looking at here this morning, we've been talking about the house of God. This is exactly what God wants in His house. And we've learned, we've talked about before, that this is our God's house. This is a spiritual house that God has established for himself. And that is what he wants. He wants his house, his people, to value each other, to love each other, to respect each other. Because those are hearts that are full of love, will do those kind of things and will have an expression uh, to others that they love. And as we are in this week of our series, as it, this is number four message, this is your house, and we're going to talk about housekeeping, because this is part of the housekeeping. Well, that, there it is. A heart full of love. Of always look for an opportunity to value, to honor, and respect others. Just put beside it, Pastor Tom Valentino. <laughs> and um, because that, that is the key thing that I want to talk to you. But did you know, when you look at the, 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 the book, the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 25, God came to Moses. And God said to Moses, I want you to build me a house. And God said to Moses, I want to give you specific instructions how to build the house and what are some of the things that you need to put in that house. Very specific instructions that God has given Moses because he wants him to make sure when he maintained this house, he obeyed everything that God has given him. Because God wanted him to see and to know that it is very important that every part of that house expresses the idea of how you relate to one another and how you should treat one another. And so far in this series, we have learned that. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30, it tells us, Paul tells us, for we are members, ligaments of this body that God has given to us. Although, through this church, His glory, His greatness that we've been talking and saying about, His greatness is demonstrated to the whole world. Do you know how the world needs to know that God is great? 
through his church. <clears throat> the greatness and the glory of God that needs to be spread out in our community. And you have done that. We've seen some of the practical part of what we are doing in this community to express the love of God and the glory and the greatness of God to others. And with that in mind, I can't help it but to quote to you Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 because this is actually a thanksgiving to God, the fact that He has chosen us to be His house. To express His greatness and to express His glory. In verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 3, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be, look at this, listen to this last part. <clears throat> to him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and forever. Amen. I stand in awe and gratefulness to our God who has chosen the body. <clears throat> To express his glory in this world. Now the church became God's spiritual house. And not because of anything that we have done. But because of the grace of God. And because of his grace at one time we were all dead in our sins. That is our beginning ladies and gentlemen. Let's not forget that. That is our beginning. Nothing was coming your way. Nothing was coming my way. But a terrible encounter with the holy God. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. But because of his great love for us. God who is rich in mercy. Made us alive. With Christ. Even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace. You have been saved. But because of his great love ladies and gentlemen. God who is rich. Rich in mercy. Don't you forget that. He made you alive through His death and through His resurrection. And now you are welcome. Remember the first sermon that Pastor John preached. You are welcome in this house. It is because of God who is rich in His mercy made you alive. Therefore you are welcome. You are loved. Kindness is shown to you. Mercy is shown to you. Grace is shown to you. And if you are new here, you are in the right place. Because what I am about to tell you is true of many of you that are sitting in the pews here this, evening, this morning. It goes like this. Once I was dead, now I'm alive. I have been offered love. I have been offered mercy. I have been offered kindness. I have been offered grace. All came as a gift from the hands of the Father. Now I'm alive, standing in His presence, totally forgiven. No longer a foreigner and stranger, but a fellow citizen with God's people and a member of His household. I have a new identity. We had lunch with a key leader from Onion Lake. A few days back. He said, we have to protect our identity. I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, now that you have a new identity, and it did not come from any church, it did not come from any belief system, 
It came through the person of Jesus Christ. The day I believed what Christ did for me on the cross, the Holy Spirit sealed that commitment. He became the down payment, the guarantee of everything that God was going to do in my life. As Paul said to the church in Philippi, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to do it. He is faithful to perform it. This is who I am in Jesus Christ. That is my position. And everyone who named the name of Jesus Christ and followed Jesus Christ, that is your position. You stand forgiven before the Lord. He said, come, you be my house. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, the apostle Paul exhorted us to live out that position. He said, this is your house. Now live out everything that has been poured upon you when you became a part of that household. Grace has become a part of you. Kindness has become a part of you. Being alive from being dead become a part of you. Being good and all of those things have come a part of you. That is your position when you come to know God. And now I want you to live it out, he said. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. He said, as a prisoner from the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. God did not bring us in his household and poured out all of these blessings upon you. So that you can hoard it, you can keep it to yourself. He said, you are my body. Because my glory is going to be expressed through you. My greatness is going to be expressed through you. Now it's time for you to take what has been poured upon your life and express it. You notice the title of our message is Housekeeping. To be worthy of the calling you have received. Paul is not talking about your spiritual gift. Paul is talking about the fact that when you were called from death to life in salvation. That you live a life worthy. It doesn't mean that you have to work hard to become good enough for the calling. Because we can't. It means you live according to the blessings that God has poured upon your life. You've got the Holy Spirit residing in you. When you come to know the Lord, He will guide you each day and help you make decisions that is wise. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And, and for sure, we have a vision to follow here. But basically, that there is nothing else that has been called for the people of God to do, but to live a life worthy of the calling. We have to appreciate the fact that we have been called out of death into life. And he poured out all of these other good things upon us. You've been blessed. How many have been blessed by the Lord? We've been blessed. You may be right now, I know today. When we look at the conditions economically in our, in our community. Sometimes we look at we may have no reason to feel like we're being blessed. And our heart goes out to those and every day I hear people, one more person has been laid off. 
and issue the law. That as we pray for the church, as we pray for each one, we are mindful of the fact that there are people who, whose livelihood totally depended on, on some of their employment. And lest you be discouraged, let me just, can I just encourage you that God is there with you. He didn't pour out his blessings upon you and left you. He said he promised he would be with you. What he has begun in you, he will continue to do it. And so our heart goes out to you to those who have lost their job. But he said to us, you've got the Holy Spirit living in you. He will guide you. So live a life worthy of the calling that he has called you. But how do you do that? And in verses 2 to 16, and because of the time, I'm not going to think that to read the first 16 verses of Ephesians chapter 4. But I want to share with you a couple of things that have to take place, must take place in our lives if we're going to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. And at the same time, if we are going to bear fruit, as John has encouraged us in the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John, to remain in Him. And when we remain in Him, the only way that we can bear much fruit is for us to know that we've been called to live a life worthy of the calling upon your life. So I want to give you a couple of things that this has to be taking place in your life if you're going to live a life worthy of the calling of God. That is the purpose that we need to look forward to. Here's the first thing. Live a life worthy of your calling. And the first point is this. Live a life worthy in the way that you deal with each other. We're talking about housekeeping here, some housekeeping rules. Live in the way that you deal with each other. If you are going to live out and express the calling that God has placed upon your life, in verses 2 to 7 of Ephesians chapter 4, be completely humble and gentle. Why did he say that? You know, <clears throat> Pride often has a way. I've been studying with a different others, discipleship group, uh, the book of Genesis. You know, in, in, uh, in the story of Cain and Abel, when, when God came to Cain to come clean and, 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 and accept the fact that he has done something terribly wrong by killing his brother, <coughs> and, and here's what the word of God said to Cain. Cain if you do not, if you do not come out clean, sin is crouching at your door, and it's out there to destroy you. You must master it. The ugly head of pride and arrogance can always come in the way and take over. And that is why I believe the Lord, in His wisdom, said, "If you are going to live a life worthy of your calling, in the." Deal with each other in this way. Be completely humble and gentle. Because you know as well as I do that that old nature inside would love to promote self. Be gentle and patient with each other. Bear each other's burdens. God is faithful. He will finish the work He has begun in your life. He promised to complete it. He will not give up on you. 
and he is not going to run out of mercy if you think he's going to run out of mercy. He is not going to run out of gentleness or kindness or love. He has the power to transform your life. All you want to do is for live a life worthy. Treat other people with humility, with gentleness, with kindness. Isn't that how you expect others to treat you? Because if this house is going to bear much fruit, we must treat each other the way God has treated us. And secondly, not only to treat others the way God treated us, but we have to commit to the way of peace. Now this one needs a little bit of explanation. And I love the way that the Apostle Paul puts it. And also the urgency of it. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4. Make every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of peace. Learn to live in harmony with one another by remaining in Him, John tells us. Learn to live in harmony with one another by remaining in Him. Tune your life to the Holy Spirit and do not tune your life to each other. You know, when I was in seminary, I was part of a musical team of six students. What we did was we, were, we, had, we, we played classical guitars. So we traveled to local churches around Edmonton area. And, and we have six people with, with our classical guitars. And what we did was we have a tuner that we tune to the tuner. We do not tune to each other's guitar. We tune our guitar to the tune. The other person tuned his guitar to that tuner. The other person tuned to that tuner. And what happened is by the time that we have to play, that all our guitars were in tune and in harmony with each other. And that is what God is saying to us here. To live your life in a way that you make every effort to live in harmony. And because then that there is peace. And the problem is that we're tuning our life to each other's expectation. You tune your life to God and to His Word and to the Holy Spirit. Somebody else tune his life to the, to the Holy Spirit and His Word and the, and the Lord Jesus. Then when we're all together, our lives are in tune. We live in harmony. What if I tune my guitar to one key and the other tune to another? If I were to tune to the other person, there will not be harmony. That is the same with the house of God. That's the same with the body. We get harmony with one another when we tune our lives to the Holy Spirit. You tune your life not to me. I'm a broken, frail, incomplete person. You tune your life to the Holy Spirit. 
and challenging everyone here at Mosaic, tune your life to the Holy Spirit. Then you and I will have harmony. Then we will have peace. Although we have different people. You know that that is the power of living in tune with the Holy Spirit. Because it respects every diversities. We can be different people, different personalities, different giftings. But because you did not tune your life to my life, you tune your life to the Holy Spirit. As I tune my life to the Holy Spirit, we live in harmony. In John chapter, let me tell you, Pastor John mentioned that in 15 verse 5, John chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Tune your life to me. And if I am going to bear fruit, if this body is going to bear fruit, ladies and gentlemen, live a life to the vital union with the vine. Not just in our appearance or verbal assent, but one which is alive, one which is real. Because it's more than just going to church. He said, abide in me, remain in me. <coughs> Tune in with me. That's the pathway of peace that we need to commit to. And I see when we commit ourselves to the pathway of peace, there's this word in that portion of scripture, the word unity. I often hear people say to me, Pastor, the problem today is the church is weak. The church is fragmented. The church is divided. The church is broken. And now we have nothing to say to the world. And they attributed all of these issues to a lack of unity. And that sounds great. Or oh, isn't that what Paul was talking about? Well, let me just point something out to you. What Paul was saying here. He said, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Firstly, why would Paul say that if there was no need? When he realized that there are differences. There is pressure to break up, forces to divide. Paul realized that. I mean, look at us. A multicultural church, people from different ethnic backgrounds, put together as one body. And we recognize personality distinctions, we do that. We recognize the differences of gifting within the body. Which of course sometimes has a tendency to look down on other gifts. It is a fertile ground for differences in the church. It is a fertile ground for distinctions, for frictions to arise within the church. And that's the reason why Paul said, make every effort. I think the King James said, be eager. I think that's a more stronger word. Why would he say that if he did not recognize that there are differences? So make every effort. Secondly, notice what Paul did not say. Paul did not say make every effort to produce unity. 
or eager to maintain it. We are never told to produce unity. <laughs> because this is the unity of the world. This is the unity of the Holy Spirit. That is His work. It's already been produced and created by the Spirit of God where you find your source of power. That is what creates unity. See, churches today say that we need to create unity. What they mean is organizational unity. Let's have everybody sign up. Controlled by a few board members. And they call that unity. And I don't see that in the teaching of the scripture. Because the unity of the spirit is mutual connection based on conviction and spiritual agreement. The church is not just a conglomerate mixed up of individual people who agree to, to certain things and sign up to certain things. That is not what the church is. We are an organism. Something that is alive. Finding its power in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The unity of the Spirit is internal unity. And sometimes manifest external disagreements. Yeah? There is also an external unity without any internal agreement whatsoever. And that is why we have to be careful who we link up with when we do evangelism. Because how can you externally agree when there is no internal connection? And that is what Paul is talking about here. We've been controlled by the Holy Spirit. What is the unity of a shared life? Which is through the Holy Spirit. Here there is unity of imposed direction. Which is external. That's the difference. So you're not told, church family, to produce unity. You're told to make every effort to maintain to the bonds of peace. That's why the reason I'm going to commit to the pathway of peace. Tune in with the Holy Spirit. Don't tune in with me. I'm an imperfect person. Don't tune in with any other church or any other organization. Tune your life in with Jesus. Did prophet Isaiah said, your name, O God, will be renowned. That's all we are. We are about the name of Jesus. Tune your life to the name of Jesus. And so Paul says, make every effort to seek peace. Commit to the pathway of peace. Tune your life to the Holy Spirit. And as a result, we are harmonious in our lives, and we live, although we are different. And then, we are, have to understand the nature of of Christian unity. Treat others like God treated you. Make every effort to live in harmony. 
commit to the pathway of peace, understand the nature of Christian unity. In verses 4 to 6 of Ephesians chapter 4, Paul described what makes up the unity of the body. These are things that I internally that we agree upon. It does not matter how external diversities and everything else that we are, but inside that we all have to sign on to this as a result of our calling upon from God. We, Paul said there's one body, not one organization. Understand me here. One body. Mutually sharing one life despite surface divisions. The only life that can be produced by the Holy Spirit. Working inside of it. One spirit providing the power to the church. We better not look at any other source for our strength or our power. The Lord came to the prophet Zechariah and said, you look at those mountains, you can conquer those mountains. Zechariah looked at those mountains and said, how can I do that? And God came to Zechariah and said, Zechariah, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. The strength that we gather must be the source is the Holy Spirit. That's where we get out. That's one spirit that we need to come to. One spirit, Christ inside of us. One faith, one baptism, one God. These are all internal agreements that we have to agree upon. Nothing else. There you go. That is the nature of Christian unity. That is how we need to live our lives worthy of the calling that God has called us. Commit to the pathway of peace. Commit yourself to treat other people the way God treated you. Understand Christian unity. That we are all one. We need to agree upon that. And then I will not make any more comment on the last part. Not only in the way that we treat each other. The second point actually in the way that we serve the body. In verses 7 to 16. God has given us gifts, but I just want to say this and then I close. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, He has given you a role to play in this body. And it may be different from the next person. When you look at chapter 4 verses 11 to 12, Paul has gifted the church with leaders. These are not gift, spiritual gifts Paul is talking about here. He's talking about the gift of leadership, the gift of prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers. And their purpose is to build the body of, of God. Build this house into a place where you will be mature in your, in your journey of faith. And then you will bear much fruit. That's the gift of leadership. That they are there to prepare the church. To prepare you. So that you can continue to walk in Him. That is why He gave the church this leadership uh, position. You know, sometimes disunity drains the church opportunity to spread the gospel. But we are united because we have a common heartbeat. We have a common heartbeat. We all share the gospel that Jesus came Born, grew up, died, rose again. That's
that's how we are connected to each other. Not through some organizational structure. And Paul is encouraging us then to maintain, to maintain, do everything you can to maintain the bonds of peace. Be kind to one another, alright? Some of these housekeeping rules. Be humble. And then don't just sit in the pews. Because God has a special place for you. You're not called, you're not saved, you're not redeemed. You sit in the pews and enjoy. Yes, that is part of that. You came there and it's for a reason. That God uniquely gifted you so that you can find your place in the body and you can serve. Amen? Amen. And I'm going to close in prayer and I'm going to ask Pastor John to come. Father, thank you here this morning. As we look to you, our Father, through the teaching of your word, what it means to, for us to continue to remain in you, to abide in you, to have our lives in tune with Holy Spirit so that we can live in harmony with one another. To help us, O oh God, so that we can discover what our purpose deep inside that what you have wired us for. Because we know that there is a purpose why you brought us together as a body. And so I look to you and commit Mosaic and commit everybody uh, in this house to you. Lead us by your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name.